Good morning. Hear the word of the Lord this morning from Luke 24, verses 13 through 35. On that same day, two disciples were traveling from a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other and discussing everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey, but they were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped, their faces downcast. The one named Cleopas replied, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place here over the past few days? He said to them, what things? They said to him, the things about Jesus of Nazareth. Because of his powerful words and deeds, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he would be the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago. But there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they had even seen visions of angels who had told him he's alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women said. They didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going to go on ahead, but they urged him, saying, stay with us. It's nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with him, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures for us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Simon. And then the disciples described what had happened to them along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know about you, but I hate being asked the question, what's your most embarrassing moment? Now, it's not necessarily because I don't want to talk about it or I can't think of one, but really it's because I have no idea which one to tell. I've had the pleasure in my 26 wonderful years of life so far to have several very embarrassing moments. But I can say that this one is probably my most embarrassing up to date. So in high school, I worked for the Dallas Mavericks. So for those of you who don't know, the Mavericks are a professional basketball team in Dallas. And I know it's an unpopular position here in Houston to say, but huge Maverick fan. Um, So as a ball kid, I wiped up and mopped up the sweat of the players when they fell on the floor. It was awesome. So... We can talk about it all later, but one day, uh, one particular game, the bottom of the net got caught up on the rim, and the ref is yelling at me in the middle of play, 
going net, net, net. And so me, in all of my high school ball kid wisdom, thought, okay, I'm gonna use my mop to try to get the net down. So I grab my mop and run, and I'm facing the Maverick bench, waving at the players, not really, but I'm sitting here going like this, going, ugh, ugh, trying to get this net unhooked before the players started coming down to the end of the court. So luckily, they stopped play at this end, but I'm still doing this, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to ask one of, the, one of the players to come get this. There are like tens of thousands of people watching me. This is horrible. And so I give it one last try, and finally, with one last grunt, I get it, and it comes down, and I feel like the weight of the world has been lifted off of me. But I turn around to run and to sit back on the floor, and I notice that the front three rows are giving me a standing ovation. And I look to the Maverick bench, and they are also clapping at me, like, way to go. So my eyes were big with embarrassment. I was horrified. You know, I sat there and tried to make it through, but I have a pretty good sense of humor, so I'm like, this is funny. This is no big deal. And I had all but forgotten about it until I got home. I walked in and greeted my dad, and he said, hey, you look good on TV tonight. I said, excuse me? <laughs> he said, yeah, you look real professional on TV getting that, getting that net unhooked. I'm like, what? Well, not only had they filmed me on national television, but the commentators had commented on me as I was trying to get the net down. It was horrible. So all of that embarrassment came rushing back. I went to school the next day and, you know, could not find a hole big enough to hide into. All my friends were like, you look good last night. And as a high schooler, this wasn't necessarily something I wanted to be known for. Um, so this whole event, I just, my eyes, I could not, I could not find a place to hide. My eyes were huge and wide with embarrassment as I'm trying to get away from all of these feelings and from this story. Now I can imagine as embarrassed and awkward and vulnerable as I felt after this event that the disciples might have been feeling even more embarrassed and awkward and vulnerable and horrified among many other emotions as they begin their journey from from Jerusalem. If we look back even one chapter in Luke before this story, we notice that Jesus has just died, been buried, and rose again. Think about what just happened through the eyes of the disciples, their friend, their teacher, their Lord, the person that they have dropped everything to follow, the person that they have given their lives to, just died. Their hopes that Jesus was the one who would redeem Israel are gone. Their expectations are dashed. And on top of this, now they can't even find his body. And the women among them are even saying that he's alive. Wow, this sounds traumatic. Well, the author of Luke notes at the very beginning of this story that as they are walking along the way, the disciples are talking about these things. I wonder what their conversation sounded like. Maybe they said, oh, we are idiots. I can't believe we spent so long following him around. Or, I thought he was the one, but now he's dead. Or, oh, what just happened back there? 
Or what I often see as a hospital chaplain when people are dealing with trauma and loss, maybe the disciples are telling the story over and over and over again in an attempt to gain even a glimpse of understanding or to make some kind of meaning out of the events that have just happened. Now, one could imagine lots of ways that the disciples' conversations could have gone, but what I can't picture is that these two disciples are whistling and smiling as they skip down the road home from Jerusalem. I can feel their embarrassment, their loss, their confusion. For their dreams of restoration and glimpses of God's kingdom are now just but a memory to them. And so we join the disciples back on the road, They are walking and discussing and debating, even lamenting the things that have just happened. And Jesus himself joins them and begins to talk with them. But the disciples don't know that this is Jesus, for their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. They just saw another stranger. So this stranger comes up to them in the midst of their conversation, perhaps in the midst of a tense frustrated, traumatic moments that the disciples are sharing. He asks, what are these things that you're talking about? Perhaps out of curiosity, but I would argue it's out of a desire to enter into this moment with the disciples. As the stranger enters into this debate, these questions, this story, perhaps he is showing a kind of hospitality that the disciples needed in that moment. The stranger, as the text said, joined them. He drew near to them on their journey and invited them to reflect on what they were feeling and experiencing at that moment. He invited them into a space where they clearly felt comfortable enough to risk telling a personal, detailed story. A story that could, by the way, get them in trouble if this stranger was a member of the Roman government. Through the use of a simple question, the stranger invites the disciples to begin to process their grief their lost hopes and sadness. This stranger is offering a deep form of hospitality. And the two disciples must have somehow felt this hospitality because they do begin to tell their story. They, in turn, invite the stranger into their narrative of dashed hopes, sadness, and possibly embarrassment. Now, I love the way that the author of Luke writes this story, and the whole gospel, for that matter, As the reader, we get this inside look. We are told that this is actually Jesus who is walking with them along the way, that Jesus is actually the stranger. And I don't know about you, but at this point, I'm feeling pretty excited. All of this embarrassment, pain, sadness can be gone because, well, Jesus is here with them. But Luke only lets the audience in on this detail. We know that it's not just some ordinary person or stranger, but Jesus himself that is inviting the questioning. We know that they are telling the story of the one they call Lord to the one they call Lord, but they don't. Their eyes aren't open to the true identity of the stranger yet. This creative storytelling leads me to wonder, how often are we, the church, aware of God's presence in the other? How often are we like the disciples in this story that have absolutely no idea that they are inviting Jesus himself into their lives and story? And how often are we like the audience who knows that Jesus is actually the stranger, 
and that by drawing near to the stranger, we are actually drawing near to Christ himself. Well, the disciples continue to walk on the way accompanied by this stranger. They're sharing the recent events occurring around their Lord. They talk about how Jesus was powerful in word and deed, how he was handed over to death and was crucified, and that they hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel. They tell the stunning account of women who had seen visions of angels that told them he was alive and how they also found the tomb empty. And then they're astonished when the stranger begins to give insights to the scriptures. Their hearts were burning within them as they walked along the stranger and were welcomed into his conversation as they welcomed him into their own. And then they arrive at their destination, Emmaus, but the stranger acted as if he was going to go further. And almost out of habit, the disciples invite this stranger into their home and to their table. And it is in this moment of sharing bread together that they realize who the stranger really is. Hospitality, or loving the stranger, is not a common thing in our world. And unfortunately, it appears to be becoming more and more uncommon as the days go by. But here, in this place, that doesn't seem to be the case at all. In my experience so far here at Bering, welcoming others into this family isn't an uncommon experience at all. My husband and I are still relatively new here, and we continually feel the love and the support from this community each and every day. Each week, I see this church allowing space for anyone, regardless of age or gender, to use their gifts to serve God. And in fact, I witness this family each week love each other and the stranger, seeking to provide for them. Time and time again, I see us rushing to shake hands with the person who we haven't met yet, and of course, invite them to lunch. But I wonder, what's our motivation behind all of these invitations? Is it because we've been raised in the South to be sweet to others? Well, maybe. Is it because we really want more people to come to our church? Well, maybe. But what if this is, what if our motivation is because we live into this insight of Luke, who tells the story from the perspective that Christ is actually the stranger? What if we are hospitable not for the sake of hospitality, but for the sake of serving Christ in the other? Because it is through hospitality that God is found. I believe that Luke is inviting us today to live as those who actually know the end of the story. Those who actually know that God is with the disciples the whole time. Luke's inside look to the readers of this story invites us to, in our own lives, notice the ways that we are encountering Jesus in our day through our interactions with each other. That person we see on the street corner, Jesus. That person laying in the hospital bed, Jesus. That person holding up the line at the grocery store? Jesus. Church, if Luke was writing our story today, what would he say? Would he write that their eyes didn't recognize him? Or would he note that their eyes were opened to see the presence of God in their very midst? Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew that I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. 
I was naked and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the righteous will reply to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done it for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. In this moment of hospitality at the table, we find that the guest becomes the host, who paralleling other stories in the Bible took, blessed, broke, and gave the bread to the disciples. In this ritual meal of community, their eyes were opened to see that they hadn't just invited a stranger in, but they had invited the very Lord that they had been following and serving. Through hospitality, they realized that it was, in fact, Jesus with them the whole time. It was more than just a stranger that had welcomed them and shown them hospitality on the road, but it was Jesus. And they had done more than just welcome and show hospitality to a stranger by inviting him into their conversation and home. They had welcomed Jesus. They realized that Jesus can really appear in the guise of a stranger on the road, in the midst of human dialogue and emotions, and that he can be recognized in the hospitable gestures of a community fellowship meal. In this moment of incredible hospitality, of talking and sharing a meal together, their eyes were open to see the activity and the presence of Jesus in their midst. May ours do the same. Amen.